So welcome to the latest episode of the Linklaters Ideas Foundry, where we talk about and try to unpick the art of working together in the 21st century organisation. From creativity to collaboration, from leading others to looking after ourselves, we explore the skills and tricks required to thrive in an ever more complex and changeable work environment. And in this episode, I am joined by Elodie Michaud, an executive coach specialising in career transitions, empowerment, leadership and remote working. Now, I first knew Elodie when she was a lawyer in the Linklater's Luxembourg office. So we're going to talk about what sparked her interest in coaching, what skills does coaching involve and the experience of making a complete switch from one career to another. So if you're interested in bringing a bit more coaching magic into your day-to-day -day working practice or maybe contemplating a change in career direction, then listen on. So Elodie, welcome to the Ideas Foundry. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And so the first question I've got for you is tell me about your life before you became involved in coaching. What were you doing? Mm, so before I, I got to, to do coaching as, as my main activity, I used to be a lawyer uh, at Linklater's in, in the Luxembourg office, um, and I was an investment funds lawyer. So I specialized in alternative funds and regulated funds, um, and I liked the nerdy topic, uh, so a little bit of regulatory as well as, as transaction. So it was quite varied. Okay, so there you are, as you said, a bit of a nerdy lawyer, and then coaching came along. So, so what were your first steps into coaching? How did that happen? That was quite a long process, to be honest with you. Um, I think the first step was probably um, starting with, with training um, and with delegation. And that might sound a bit odd, but that's how it started. I loved um, transmitting knowledge. So um, pretty early on in my career, I really started to delegate to my juniors. And I found it super important to do that well, uh, because I thought that, um, you know, the biggest capital in the team is the people and what they have in their head. So if I can transmit uh, the knowledge and the technicity that I have as best as possible, then we can deliver the best work. So that's how it started with the interest in transmitting knowledge. Um, then I got interested in, in training. So I trained, um, I delivered training internally, externally, uh, so to clients as, as much as um, to my colleagues, first on technical skills and then on soft skills. And I think this is when it started to hit um, thinking about a lot about soft skills and the fact that just knowing the law was not enough and there is a lot of things you need to, to understand, I don't know, behave in a certain way and, and, and get the most out of, of people, of a file, of a client and this kind of thing. Um, and I wanted to be a good manager. So I went on um, onto a training which was called um, the manager coach, and it was an internal training which was delivered by, by Linklater's internally. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was like extremely interesting um, to just see how you could manage with using a more of a coaching approach. And that's how I got interested in into coaching. Okay, um, and so what did you enjoy or find 
particularly stimulating about coaching? At first, I have to say it's the fact that you give space and time to the person in front of you to dissect their mind. <laughs> maybe that oh, sounds a little bit <laughs> It sounds dissect maybe a little mind. bit extreme, but yeah, so really dissecting uh, your mind. You really get to have this kind of secure bubble where you can go uh, within yourself and think and take this moment, take this pose, because the world is going so fast, uh, whether it is at work or at home, um, that I don't think we often take the time to, to pose and think. And coaching is that, is actually getting the space to, to think, what do I want? Where do I go? How do I wanna go about it? what am I going to do about it, you know, and, and this kind of thing. So that's what I, I really liked. It, it was this, this possibility of posing and thinking. Okay. And I've got to ask this question, but as a lawyer, how did you find coaching? Or, to put it another way, to what extent do lawyers make good coaches? I think naturally speaking, a lawyer would not necessarily make a good coach because we're asked to give uh, advice all the time. Um, however, now you can hear the lawyer within me. Um, however, uh, what uh, a lawyer is also used to do is to listen to the client before giving the advice. So I think the listening part before giving the advice is what is probably going to help a lawyer um, with the fact of being a coach, because you have to listen to what your client wants uh, in order to give them satisfaction. Um, the difficult part is that with coaching, you listen and then you're supposed to help your client think and come up with their solution and you're not supposed to give them the solution and this is the hard part is to really to prevent yourself from from speaking um, if you went through the situation your client is going through uh, to not share um, uh, necessarily um, how you went about it uh, when you hear something that seems obvious to you, to give the space to your client to come to their own solution. So this is the hard part. And was there any, how did, how did you stop yourself from, from saying that, from giving the advice? Was there anything that you, you tried to prevent that? At the beginning, I think it was a really um, active um, thing I had to do. Um, First of all, I think the first thing I was thinking was when someone is going to talk and, and finish, <laughs> you can uh, leave a little bit of a silence, which uh, a little bit of a silence, which you're not used to do as a lawyer. You know, you're really used to, you receive the question, you think, you answer, and it goes pretty fast. Um, so the first thing I had to do consciously was do not answer. <laughs> Do not answer, prevent yourself from speaking. And when you speak, think of a question, do not think of an answer. So that was the first thing I, I had to do. Um, and the other bit that which I had to do at the beginning, but which helped a lot was 
to do an active listening to so to really listen what was going on not just to the words but also to the tone to to the volume to the speed uh, of how people speak um, and when you concentrate a lot on on this you actually get a lot of information so you're just not going to react the same way okay so you're helping your colleagues in your words dissect their minds um, you're practicing this active listening. So what then prompted the switch to, to leave the law and become a full-time coach? Um, so as I was saying earlier, it was a fairly long process. It took me several years to have this first, you know, um, training uh, for being a, um, a manager coach to actually leaving. Um, but I, I liked a lot, uh, so I integrated um, the internal coaching faculty at Linklaters, so I started to, to have clients that way, and it was extremely interesting, extremely challenging, um, and then I was thinking, if I am going to do this, uh, even if I just do it internally, so that was before uh, thinking about um, leaving, I was thinking, I need to have a proper technique. Um, and I have to see whether I really like it and I can really go for it or not. So I came to London and I did a training with Gallup for a week um, on the Strengths Finder. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, it's going to be kind of live it or break it. And I loved it. I really, really loved it. Every day uh, after the sessions, I loved it. Uh, I called my boyfriend at the time. Every evening I was like, oh, my God, this is blowing my mind. I love it. Um, so I came back from that and I integrated uh, the techniques. Uh, I learned uh, even more in the way I was practicing um, the law and also in the internal coaching. Um, and then the pandemic hit. So I was in a situation where I was doing a lot of training. I was doing a lot of things around people. Uh, I liked people more and more, <laughs> always liked people, but I just took a different interest on them. Um, and I was doing being a lawyer and being a coach at the same time. And it, it started to be quite challenging in terms of, of hours, uh, in terms of, of focus. Um, and as I think a lot of, of, of lawyers, I am quite a perfectionist. So I wanted to do both very well. Um, and that was a, I was at a point where I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to sustain this rhythm and this pressure for a long, long time. So I'm going to have to make a choice at one point. Um, but again, because I was a lawyer, and I think this is deep within me, um, you do a risk assessment. <laughs> like, okay, I'm in a very good company, very good salary, I have a very good position. So before I drop all of this, I have to think and I have to... Uh, make an informed decision. So I um, enrolled with a Canadian company um, with the aim of doing a proper coaching certification um, and thinking I will see how it is. And because of the pandemic, so it's sort of because and thanks to the pandemic, I could subscribe with this um, Canadian company and it was evening classes. It was so challenging because it was twice a week at six o'clock until 9.30. And then I had homework for over 10 hours a week. 
So I was thinking, this is so challenging that if I can take it on the top of my work, which was quite challenging at the time as well, uh, it means I like it and I can go for it. Um, and I made it. It was between April and October 2020. I had this twice a week for every week. Uh, it was very intense and I sustained it. So I was thinking this probably means that this is for me and I loved it. Um, so then came the point of making a decision. So I discussed internally of, of different options and, and then at one point I just took a leap and decided to leave and, and set up my own company. And it, it's interesting, you say you took a leap, but behind that leap, there was a lot of preparation, you know, the courses, the training that you underwent, the, the risk analysis. I like to think that somewhere you have an Excel spreadsheet where you kind of listed all these, uh, all these things. And okay, so you've set up, you've left, you've become an independent coach. Um, what surprised you most having made the change? What surprised you most about your new life? There was two things. Um, for any lawyers listening to this podcast, it's going to make sense. But for everybody else, you're going to think that lawyers are weird. Um, in law firms, we do timesheets. So every minute you spend on a file, um, it is recorded by, by a timer. So your life is almost run by that. You're really used to that. Um, this has been my life for 10 years of, you know, arriving in the morning, opening my mailbox and then clicking on start on this little timer, working and then changing timer when I would change client or matter. Um, so your entire day is around that. Your, your objectives are around this. So you're really used to this way of working. And I left a law firm, set up my own company, and then you're like, okay, how am I going to, um, you know, calculate my time? How am I uh, going to know that actually I've worked enough? How am I going to know that I have performed? Is it via um, a number, via... Um, an amount of hours, an amount of money, or via something else. So I think that was really hard to, to grasp and to really see how I would do it. It took me a few months, um, to be honest, it took me three to four months to detach from the timesheet habit and, and from stopping comparing my new way of doing things compared to, to my old way. Um, no, I don't do that anymore, and it's extremely nice, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> Sorry for everybody still using timesheets. You didn't get a kitchen, a little kitchen timer and put it on your desk just to, uh, just to uh, feel like the old days. You know, I, I even at one point downloaded an app with a timer, and after uh, a week of existence, to make a sense, I have to stop. So, yeah, so it was... Maybe a trauma, I don't know, but um, no, I moved on. So that was the first thing that really, um, yeah, surprised me the most, let's say. And the second one was around um, how you sell yourself. So let me explain. Um, when you're working for a law firm, you work behind a brand, behind a name, um, you do not have to sell yourself. You know, when I was at Linklaters, 
Um, I'm not going to be naive. Client came first because I was at Linklaters, uh, not because of Elodie Michaud. When you set up your own company and you're by yourself, um, well, what is it you're going to sell? Is it you? Is it something else? So the hard point I found when I set up my own business was what am I going to sell? And to be able to make this difference between the value of the service and who am I? Uh, to make the difference that I am not selling me, but I am selling a service. Of course, in the service, there is a little bit of a of a sprinkle of who I am because I'm delivering the service myself. So if you like my personality and if you like who am I, then of course there is a little bit of me in the service. But it's making this difference between the value of the service and me. So if I don't get a contract, it's my contract which I didn't get and it's not me personally failing. And I think that was really hard to, to really make this distinction and, and understand because in the law firm, you don't really make this distinction for a very long time. Um, the only moment I have the impression that people start to pivot and to think about their added value when they're working uh, in a big company, uh, being a law firm or something else, is when they're going to make it for a very senior position or a partner or a director, when they have to start talking with um, you know, the pronoun I. Um, this is what I will bring to the company. This is what I will bring to the partnership. And beforehand, a lot of people speak as a we, as a team, as what we bring as a, as a firm. Um, so when I came out of, of, of Linklaters, um, I was more of a we person and, and that was hard for me to make the distinction. So yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you think that Maybe it's something for all of us who, for those of, or those of us who work in large organisations, it's a useful exercise to reflect on, is to just put aside the we for a moment and focus on the I and think about, you know, what is it that that I offer? What is my, I know it's, it's a funny term, my, my personal brand, my, my reputation, and actually reflecting on that so that you're able to articulate it. So it's a, a, a valuable thing to do for, for all of us to, to think about that. Absolutely. So how did you, so they are, you, you are trying to, you are marketing uh, Elodie, you're marketing the I. Um, how did you go, what did you have to learn to do that? Because that's quite a switch, isn't it? Yeah, um, yes it is. <laughs> I had to learn a lot of things. Um, the first one I can tell you, which, which was really um, important and, and hard, but which blew in my face, let's say, within the months after I set up the company, was exactly that. How do you market? How do you sell? Um, I got two clients right away when, when, when I set up the company, which who came because they knew me from before. So I was very, very lucky and gave me a lot of confidence. But then immediately I realized um, I don't have an offer. I don't necessarily know exactly uh, the kind of pricing I'm gonna do. So that I managed, I did uh, immediately came up with something. Um, I knew I was uh, a good coach. I knew I was well-organized. 
but I had no clue how to attract clients. Uh, and I think immediately after these two clients came, I was like, okay, that was very nice, but it's probably not going to happen as easily like this, you know, in the future. So how do I do? Um, and I realized that this is just something I've never learned. Um, I didn't like to do pitches when I was internally. Um, that was really something that I didn't enjoy. So I was thinking, how am I going to market? How am I going to pitch? How am I going to sell if I don't know how to? So after a month, um, I immediately decided to take, uh, let's say, a business coach who helped me on marketing and strategy. I was like, I don't know that. I'm just going to take someone who's going to teach me. Um, and then I'm going to learn the ropes. And then I will see what's coming next. And this is what I've done since I set up the company. Each time I'm faced with a challenge, if I realize that I am missing some skills, I'm going to look uh, for someone who knows that and can teach me or coach me or whatever. But I'm not going to lose my time on trying to come up with a solution by myself, while there is probably someone out there knowing it way better than I can ever do uh, and can just teach me how to do it. I think that's uh, it's a great example of the of the growth mindset and how at every stage, you know, you wanted to learn more about coaching. So you did a course you wanted to you're reflecting on setting up your own business. So you became you became accredited. And then when you set up the business, you thought, well, OK, um, here's a gap in my knowledge. What can I do? OK, I'm going to go out and get a, a business coach. So it, it's a great it's a great example of, you know, thinking, I want to make this change, what do I need to do to make that change? What support could I draw upon? So Elodie, we, we come to the final three questions now. And this may be a little bit uncomfortable because uh, I'm going to ask you to do uh, what coaches don't normally do, which is give a bit of advice. So my first question is, what would your guidance be to anyone looking to bring more of a coaching approach into their day-to-day -day practice, be they a lawyer, a teacher, an architect, or you know, a mechanic? It's nice. I can get to, to be like my, my old self. <laughs> so the, the, I think the first advice I could give, there are two things I can think about. The first one is probably uh, listen truly listen to to what people are, are telling you when you're asking a question listen to the answer um, when when people are coming with a request or with an issue listen more uh, don't go immediately into the first thing uh, that your mind is taking you to just just try to to truly listen to the end of the sentence to the end of the problem, do not interrupt, like really take a break and listen. So that would be the first one. And the second one, which goes hand in hand, um, is to ask different questions in the sense of asking more open-ended question. Um, a very simple example I can give you is um, something I've done myself when I was delegating work actually, is when someone, um, if they're with you, you explain something to them, and then you know it's the end of it, and they're about to leave the room. Instead of asking them whether they've understood, you know, like, are you okay? Did you understand everything? Um, ask something else. Ask, what are your questions? 
it's going to trigger something else in the mind of the person in front of you. It's going to uh, tell them that it is allowed for them to have a question. It is actually push their brain to think, uh, what is it that I still need in order to be able to uh, go on and do my work? And I think this is an approach which is extremely helpful. You know, if someone comes with a question to you, same, do not answer to this urge of answering the question, ask them, okay, before I tell you my perspective on it or my take on it, um, what do you think? How would you go at this? Like, yeah, and then listen again to what they say and then only give uh, your opinion. Thank you. So the, the second bit of advice, um, do you have any tips for someone contemplating a career switch similar to the one that you made? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, two advice here again. Uh, I know we say that normally <laughs> the trinity is better, but I only have two <laughs> which come to mind. Um, the first one would be talk to people who are doing the thing you think you want to do. Um, and talk to a lot of them. Uh, this is an advice I've received before um, doing my switch. And I think it's probably one of the best advice I've, I've received. Um, and I had people contacting me to ask me questions in, in the same manner. Um, doing this um, can be scary because you know some people will tell you some things that you don't want to hear. Um, at the same time, it's also very reassuring because you realize that every person has a different take on whatever they're doing. Um, if you take two coaches, um, they're not going to be living um, their work in the same way. Some of them might be very um, stimulated by the fact of having to run a company um, and one of them can be completely scared about this. Um, if you take two lawyers, I can guarantee you they are not going to enjoy the same thing about their job. So the first advice really is talk to people who are doing the thing you think you want to do um, to get a lot of different ideas, a lot of different perspective and realize that basically you're just going to have to make it work for yourself. Um, and, and you have this freedom actually of, of doing it the way you want to do it. Uh, so that's one. Um, oh yeah, and the second one um, is talk internally. Um, you might be surprised, maybe uh, within your organization, they might have the thing you're looking for. They might be able to offer you the thing you want. Uh, it might sound odd from someone who left, but I actually um enjoyed and did a lot of coaching uh, and a lot of let's say people supporting let's put it that way for a very very long time before living so i actually could actually you know enjoy my passion uh, really go deeper within it before actually deciding to make um, a turn so it put me in a different position so if any way you're going to leave what more do you have to lose? Uh, so talk internally, you never know. Maybe actually they would be happy to, happy to offer you what you want. Thank you. And, and the final bit of advice is really advice 
to yourself. If you could go back in time, what one piece of guidance would the LED of today give to the LED of three years ago? That's almost an easy one for me. And I think it, it lies within the name of my company. <laughs> it's to dare more. Um, it's to, to be more daring. Um, care less almost about what people might think, um, dare to do stuff, dare to say stuff, dare to ask for stuff, um, talk to people. Um, so that's probably the thing uh, I would advise to, to my old self. Uh, I'm pretty happy with everything I've done. I don't think there is much I would have done differently, uh, but if I would have dared more, probably I would have discovered different things. Uh, so I think it's, um, yeah, there are more. Do not think too much about uh, what will people think and this kind of thing. Just go with your guts. Elodie, thank you so much. And I, I hope that didn't make you too uncomfortable giving advice rather than, rather than coaching. Uh, no. it, it's been lovely having you in the Ideas Foundry. So thank you very much and good luck with all your future coaching. Well, thank you very much, Ian, for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Okay, goodbye.